everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Grounded UNSW. We are a student-run podcast and we hope to help other students increase their mental health literacy and learn employment and academic skills to reduce some of the major stresses in your lives. So just before we start, we would like to provide a little disclaimer. Our podcasts do cover various mental health topics and it may be sensitive to some viewers at times. So feel free to pause or exit from the podcast whenever you want to. Um, In case you do need any help or support, please find the resources we have linked in the description boxes. So my name is Isha. I'm Ishwan. I also go by Chelsea. It is approaching that time of year where we're all starting to feel a little bit stressed. I know I definitely am. Our final term this year, and although it is nerve-wracking, there is also so much to look forward to. We're all progressing with our degrees and being one year closer to finishing off, and for some of you, maybe even graduating. Um, That being said, the topic of life after uni is probably coming to mind for you guys. I'd like to introduce to you our very special guest. Her name is Rowana Chan. She is an SOB alumni student. Did you want to introduce yourself? Hi, guys. (laughs) My name is Rowana. Spelt kind of like Goanna, but it starts with an R. Um, I was at UNSW starting in 2013, I think, or 2014, and I did a Bachelor of Psychology, and then I did my honours as well. And then after that, I went and did two years of clinical masters at UCID. Mm-hmm. So a little backstory to how I met Rowana was because I did a really fun employment course at UNSW. And I reached out to Rowana on LinkedIn. Like I stalked her and I messaged her and I was like, hi, I'm Chelsea. Can I talk to you one day? And she was like, yeah, of course. Um, and so we met up in person and I did like a little quick interview. And um, like, that definitely did give me um, a lot of like wisdom as cringy as that sounds. But um, like, yeah, like I definitely took on her words of advice and like I definitely did, um, you know, the stuff that she gave me advice on. So yeah, um, I hope you guys listening are also able to get what I gained from Rowana today. Just to top off what you said, Rowana, what, um, how was your student experience like at UNSW? Oh gosh, <laughs> it was really packed. I remember, like I am just a chronic overloader and so I was just doing clubs all the time. I think I did. It's funny because you say student experience, like I worked with the student experience team ARC. And so I did straight team, shirts, um, psych sock. I did, I was in the band for a little bit until I quit. I just like could not handle being next to those like incredible music students. And I had no idea what was going on. (laughs) Um, I didn't know UNSW had a band. Yeah. They actually have one for like all of the music students and they're incredible. So if you play an instrument, feel free to join the band. Um, <laughs> I did judo for a bit. Uh, I had like a research scholarship thing going. So super, super busy actually at uni. Um, and then at the same time, I was also doing like APS stuff. So that's Australian Psych Society. I was in their student committee. Um, yeah, that was <laughs> my student experience. Oh, okay. So that's um, really, really cool. I can sort of relate to that being really packed and having, um, especially with trimesters now, I'm not too sure. Did you get to experience that? No, I left just before they started, but my brother's still at uni and he's told me all about them. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm sure. I feel so bad for the students who had to like transition from semesters to trimesters. But um, 
just in general, from your experience at UNSW, how did you balance this sort of uni and work and sort of extracurriculars? I think like when you are given roles that like you need to get done, like society things, like you just have to schedule it in. And so it kind of creates boundaries for you because like you're running to this meeting at a certain time, which means that you have to leave like hanging out with your friends at this time at the end of lunch and then there are all these things that you need to get done and so they just kind of get slotted into your calendar and I think actually having quite a few structured activities helped me schedule my work and study because I'd say like I don't have three days non-stop to work on this assignment I literally have like two hours like I literally have to get it done now or else it's not going to get done it sounds kind of counterintuitive but doing sometimes more activities actually helps me with my time management. Oh, okay. And did you ever feel like it sort of impacted your mental health a bit, being like this busy and, you know, not having as much time for, say, other things like social life or like, say, your studies or, you know, work or whatever? Yeah, I think there were brief moments kind of like that, especially since I didn't drive. Like, I don't think I got my license until my fourth year of uni which was terrible and I live in the Shire so I had to commute like an hour and a half every day um so it was just I was always really busy but for some reason it didn't really impact my mental health because I really enjoyed the activities I was doing whereas maybe we can chat about it later but masters really impacted my mental health because I just felt stressed all the time but in undergrad it was like the activities I did the clubs were all with like really great friends like I'd hang out with the same people on the weekend so Even though it was a society thing, I'd be having fun at the same time. There was a second part to your question, which I flagged, but I forgot. Do you mind repeating? No, just in general. Like, um, I think you mentioned you felt really, really stressed during your master's as well. So Mm -hmm. did you have any ways that you sort of managed it as well? Or like, did you find any like methods that you found were the best ways to manage your stress during your master's? So I didn't realise I was burnt out until I was really burnt out, like, I think often we push ourselves quite hard and so you have these signs like you're not motivated anymore like you're always tired you're thinking quite negatively (laughs) I found out like kind of mid-masters I would just start bursting out into tears for no particular reason at like absolutely nothing (laughs) and I know (laughs) and I think it was just a sign of like there was just so much going on and I hadn't given myself any break because I thought that's what I had to do as a psychologist I had to know what to do with my clients I had to run between two different placements and write a thesis and so I actually it got so bad that I was like you know what I need help so I got a therapist which was one of the best decisions I've ever made and so if anyone is feeling super burnt out and has felt like that for a couple of weeks I would so recommend it um I think UNSW also has CAPS they have the UNSW psychology clinic as well which is where like clinical master's students train and so the sessions with them are like 15 20 dollars each which is like such a discount compared to 200 dollars in the general community um aside from that I do a lot of Latin dancing and so whenever I got stressed I'd go and dance and that was really helpful because I could just like get rid of all the stress like fling it away physically oh my god that is actually very interesting to know because I feel like you would think it's the opposite where if you take on too much you're like no but then it actually helped in your case so that's really interesting and I think it's a really good point to that you mentioned that you enjoy what you're doing even if it's like extracurricular so taking on activities that you actually do enjoy to kind of like help you um well as you mentioned before so you finished your master's what was the um initial transition like for you shifting from university to full time work oh it was really weird because I so because 
I had gone straight from undergrad psych into master's and typically people take a few years just to like chill out, get some experience. I was so over study and doing anything by the end of master's that I was going to take a six month gap year. And so I was actually in Peru when COVID hit. And so I actually didn't expect to transition into work straight away. I was like, I'm just going to take half a year off and do nothing. And so the transition was really weird because I had nothing set up. My registration, I hadn't even started applying for it yet. I hadn't started looking for any jobs because I was like, oh, I'll do it in six months. (laughs) So it was a bit of a rough one where I got back, basically got kicked out of Peru, back to Australia, had to go through quarantine. And I just kind of started looking for the only job that I could apply for because I hadn't gotten my psych license yet. So I got my current role in research working with NDUC. And so we do drug research with people who inject drugs and people who use stimulants like ecstasy and cocaine, which is really cool because now I know like the street price of heroin and where to get it. (laughs) (laughs) I think I took a bit of a chill pill and was like, just work at your own pace. And so like a couple of months after that, when I got my registration, I started applying for psychology roles and now I'm working at a clinic and private practice with children. That was kind of it. Like it was a really slow process. I was probably like seven months behind the rest of my peers who had all started working in like February because they had prepared for that. Yeah, no, fair enough. So you mentioned your trip got cut off. Um, mm-hmm. How has this year differed from your expectations? <laughs> I think that's a really big question for everyone. (laughs) Quite a relatable, relevant question for everyone out there. Yeah, especially for the psychology community as well, because we usually do sessions in person and it's really rare that we do telehealth. And so the entire profession has pivoted to having a couple of months where all of our sessions were online. And so it was a weird transition for me because I haven't worked in that way. But I imagine for every single psychologist who went from like, 50 years of doing in-person sessions to having to do Zoom sessions. So for me, it was kind of strange, but I was used to Zoom, like I was good with tech. So it wasn't actually that big a shift. But yeah, I didn't expect to be working from home most days of the week. And I didn't expect to not start working until like May, June. And I didn't expect to be in Australia so soon as well. (laughs) It must be so different, like such a different dynamic having to do your telehealth consultations and things like that. But just to get a bit of insight, did you, I I think you sort of mentioned, you know, you you didn't expect to get into the um, work life so soon, but did you gain any experience while you still were studying? Um, Or did you just sort of go straight into um, your work? I think it'll obviously differ with different degrees, but with the Clin Masters, you're actually at work the entire time. And so as soon as you start the Masters, you're in hospitals. So I was at Sydney Children's Hospital where Chelsea (laughs) came and met me. Um, I was at St George Hospital in Cogra for half a year. And the whole time you're working at the Sydney Uni Psychology Clinic. Theoretically, I had like a year and a half full time of working as a psychologist anyway before I started. Um, Aside from that, I can honours, I did ABA therapy um, and I've been working with Batir, which is like this youth mental health organisation where you you go into unis and high schools and you like chat to maybe eight or something about mental health. So I had been doing mental health things, but yeah, you kind of just get straight into it with masters. Yeah, yeah, I remember during our interview, I was like, how how do you do that? And you're like, oh, actually, Masters is like that. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? And I was like, oh, okay, that makes more sense. Um, But, yeah, I think that's, like, a great thing about having, like, this conversation, like, this interview with you because, like, you just, like, learn so much that you didn't even think you'd be learning about. Um, So, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, So, 
as students, we are often told that a degree at the end of the day is just a piece of paper. And um, it notes that it's more about the people you know and the skills you gain in the industry. Did you find this to be true for your instance? What a good question. I am like really anxious about stuff and I like always want to over-prepare. And so in like third or fourth year, I was like madly trying to figure out what to do with like networking because all of my business friends were going to events and they were like getting mentors. And I was like, what the heck? Where do I find one? So I think that's one of the reasons why I joined the APS student committee because I was like, I don't know where to find a psychologist to talk to. I don't know a single psychologist. So that would that was a really good experience because I got to chat to people. But it didn't actually lead to like concrete jobs or that kind of thing where in business it might be like, oh, this person knows this person and you get like a job ad. Um, I think for me, the biggest networking thing in psychology is like networking with your peers. And so it was actually lots of people from the year above me. I was like asking them about placements and like, is this hospital good? Like I asked, is the team at Sydney Children's really good? And you can get their testimonies because they've just worked in those places. Maybe it's because I'm still really young and I don't have any contacts yet, but I found chatting to people just like a couple of years above me was so helpful as opposed to people who were like super, super established and had like been in the industry for 20 years. Another example was in that like messy period of like a couple of months, I applied for a job and I got the role and it was a really well-regarded clinic. They had an incredible bio online. But then when I started asking my peers, they started saying this clinic will burn you out because they like stuff your books full of clients. They don't let you have any breaks. There's no supervision. And so it's stuff like that, which you don't get from online. And I would have taken that job and I would have burnt out if I hadn't had that peer network. So I really recommend even just your like people in your lecture, like someone you're going to sit next to is going to be a psychologist and someone else is going to become a researcher. Oh, for instance, the research role was one of my best friends who, when she graduated, she worked with NDARC. And so there was a little email internal to NDARC that was sent around. Like, if you have any friends who are interested, these are some roles. And she forwarded it to me. And that's how I got this role. Yeah, make friends. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's really nice to hear because, again, as a psychology student, I have, like, friends who are in the business faculty and I totally relate to, you know, watching them get their, like, internships, seeing them, like, network with so many different people. You're kind of just like, oh, my gosh, like, what am I doing? Like, how do I sort of follow in that path? Funny thing because... With psychology jobs, it's like a bit less, like you really just can't get in just via contacts if you're working in the public health system. They have like a really rigid system where you have to go through all these stages. So even if you've worked with them before, they have to put you in the pool with everyone else who applies to interview. So there's no like way to get a heads up or a foot in the door. But in private practice, like if maybe you've worked as a receptionist for that clinic or if you know someone who works there, it might be easier Uh, Another thing I recommend is actually just emailing the clinic, even if they have no open roles. A couple of the clinics that I interviewed for, they didn't have any job postings, but I just emailed and said, I really like the look of your clinic, the client base you're working with, and you're like in the local area to me. Like, I'd really love to interview with you. I think like two of them were like, oh yeah, I'd like to meet you. Come on in. Okay. That's really interesting. So um, what would you say is your sort of like top tip for students who want to break into their industry then? Because you've given us so much great advice, but is there like one that stands out over the other by any sense? (laughs) (laughs) gosh it's so different for everything for psychology though I'd say just like just go for it like often when you're like a provisional you're still in that gray area where you don't have your psych license you're like what can I do like I don't have any experience I don't have any way to practice yet just like reach out to people and if maybe you can't get into observe a session maybe you can become their receptionist like for instance at the clinic that I'm working at my clinic director has started giving 
like group work to some of the receptionists. So I run the group, but then some of the receptionists sit in and become like aides. And so you'd never get experience like that where you can work in like an anxiety group unless you had just kind of like stuck your neck out and was like, oh, I'm really interested. Do you think I could join in with X, Y, and Z? So yeah, don't feel like you're underqualified, like just ask anyway and keep asking and try and have a thick skin when you get rejected, which you will occasionally. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really, really good mindset to have because I think we, like we are our worst critic and then we're like, no, don't do it because it's not good enough. But it's like at the end of the day, the worst thing that could happen is you're going to get a no, but then it's like, like you'll get rejected, the answer's no, but then if you don't do it, then the answer will still be a no. So you might as well go ahead and go for it. So like, yeah, I think that's a really good mindset to have and like a good thing to like remind ourselves. Um, well, if you had the opportunity to give your younger self some advice, what would it be? <laughs> like a most cliche question. <laughs> I'd probably say like to be kinder to myself. I think often I was like very harsh and like very strict on myself. So if I, I made a mistake or I didn't get a job, some of the things that I tell myself would be like, well, obviously you're not good enough or like everyone else in your cohort's better than you. And having that really high expectation and speaking to myself in that way was so strange because I would never speak to any of my friends like that. Like if I didn't do well on one test, I wouldn't be like, holy crap, you suck. <laughs> you should give up. Having that inner voice is so not helpful because it really just brings us down. Um, and so in therapy, one of the big things was just like learning to be more compassionate with myself and just knowing that it's not like a race to have to get somewhere. It's if you want to become a psychologist, most people take a couple of years break in between each part of it, like from honours to masters to getting your jobs. Like there's really no rush. So take it at your own place and don't compare yourself to other people. Easier said than done, I know. <laughs> I was just going to also ask with work and even with your experience in uni, I know like you've only, um, I think, recently started working this year and obviously you didn't expect to go into the industry so soon. But have you found any ways that are really effective for you to manage the amount of workload that you get both in and out of uni? For uni, I did find that I was a little bit different to some of my friends in that I didn't study as much of as them, but I felt like I studied better. So a lot of my great friends, <laughs> but I'd like sit in a lecture and I'd look at their screens and they'd be like on Facebook or they'd be playing like Tetris. And then it's like, why would you suffer through a one hour lecture, but be playing Tetris the whole time? Like you may as well just skip the lecture. If I was going to go to a lecture, like I'd be there and I'd listen and I'd take notes. And so if it was boring, like I would just learn it once and I wouldn't have to go over it again later on. If you're going to be at uni, like study when you're at uni and then on the weekends, like just take it off. Even up to honours, like for all four years, I didn't work on Saturday and Sundays. Like they were just my rest days. And so having those boundaries helped me recharge so that I was able to go and pay attention again on the Monday morning. Sleep was another thing. Like so much research shows that you're not at your best and you just can't concentrate. Your memory doesn't work when you're sleep deprived. And so when I was sleepy, like I just stopped studying and I just went to bed. Whereas heaps of my friends would cram and they'd pull all-nighters, which there was the illusion that it helped because they were like, oh, I've gone through so much. But your body just can't retain that much information. So yeah, I'd say listen to your body and just like, just be smart about how you study. Like when you're studying, study properly. And when you're not, like properly section time out and keep it as your like recharge time because that's so important for you to be efficient later on yeah and just to sort of like add on to that I know a lot of people recently like um, when they start working from home and all they they tend to spend more time on their work and you know it's it's harder to like log off I guess did yeah. you sort of like ever experience that or like did you have any tactics to sort of like force yourself to say stop I guess 
Yeah. Oh, work creep. <laughs> Thankfully, with psychology sessions, it's like they're one hour things. And so you're like looking at a client and there's no way to increase that. But with research, it is something that I can kind of run by myself. And I think mostly I kind of took the same approach, which was I log on at nine and I log off at five and I'm trying to keep those boundaries. So I think the key to time management is really just having boundaries. And once you put those boundaries in, like you have to stick within them. So don't let yourself slide into the 6 p.m. and like slide some more because that extra hour that you're working is one less hour for you to rest up and recharge. So the next day you come back and you're more tired and it's just this vicious, vicious cycle. So yeah, set those boundaries and keep the boundaries. Yeah, 100%. I like I think that is also something that we'll have to learn to do. <laughs> As you said, easier said than done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so thinking like, my to-do list used to be like super long. Like I'd have like 10 things on it. And now it's like, there's like two things on my to-do list. It's like a lot of things that we set for ourselves. Like it's just too much. We always seem to overestimate how much we can do. And so now it's like, I will work on this one paper today and that's all I have to do. And so when you complete that one thing, you can properly log off without all that guilt of, I could have done this and this and this. That is actually really interesting because I think I don't know, personally, maybe it's just me, but when I do too much, I'm like, okay, I can't do it. I just like forget about it. Like, never mind. And I just end up doing nothing. <laughs> so like, I think it's a really good point that you mentioned to just like keep, don't overestimate yourself and don't overwhelm yourself just so it's not that demotivating. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. This is like a little question that someone has sent in. They've heard that you're set to become a viral YouTuber. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even close. I have like nine subscribers right now. Feel free to subscribe, anyone who's watching. Plug your um, account. <laughs> it's Rowanna and then C-E-E. -E. That was my effort at trying to be anonymous. So instead of writing Chan, I wrote C-E-E. <laughs> <laughs> What's your content like? What kind of content do you produce? Yeah, well, I've literally only made two videos, so it's so new. I, whoever sent this question in, gonna find you <laughs> it kind of came from working with Batir where like I'd go to a lot of unis and chat about mental health and I would look at the feedback afterwards and so many of the messages were like oh my gosh it's so good hearing a young person talk about mental health like I've never heard someone talk so openly about it it's so nice having that connection instead of you know we usually think about like that old psychologist who's like in their dark office and I was just like oh wow there's like a need there and when I was going through uni and I was searching for stuff like this, like I couldn't find it. It's kind of like the behind the scenes on what it's like to be a psychologist, but also someone who is kind of growing as well. So I'm definitely not perfect and I'm not an expert. I'm like just starting. And so it's kind of trying to see behind the scenes of that and like my own career. And even though you guys are asking me questions, like there's so many questions that I have as well for other people and I'm so lost and I'm always asking my supervisor. So just having that honest behind the scenes kind of insight. I really like the sound of that. I'm excited to follow your content because I think that is something that we do need, that transparency. Um, and like, I think the fact that you mentioned, like, you're not perfect. I think that's like the beauty of it, you know, that we're seeing you transition, seeing you grow. And um, yeah, like that's so interesting. And I can't wait to see the more content that you'll be producing. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually so interesting like often people assume that if you're a psychologist like you have your mental health all sorted out but kind of going into the masters and like everyone goes into the session they're like all dressed up they have all their notes and they're like doing their session and they're really professional and then we had a group room where you'd come after your session and people would walk in and they just break down <laughs> they'd be like oh my god I sucked like I said the wrong thing like I can't believe this happened like my client cried and I, I didn't know what to say or 
Like I accidentally started talking about myself and I didn't mean to. Like it's such a facade to think that psychologists are like this blank slate and we're like good with everything because behind the scenes it's just we're really just wrecks. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's it's nice being open about it. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I'm so excited to like engage with content like that because you don't see much about much much about it in the real world just to finalize this whole thing did you have any advice on entering the scary world out there (laughs) I had actually I asked this question of my supervisor last year um and his one piece of advice to me was and I have taken this on board as my piece of advice which is why I'm giving it to you guys he said figure out what your values are and what's important to you and if every small step you take is towards your values there's like no way you can make the wrong decision it's kind of a it's kind of a big one because it's kind of hard trying to figure out what your values are just google it <laughs> figure out my values. <laughs> just google like what are values and what are the different types of values but it's so true like when you figure out what you're passionate about even if you make a decision or you get into a situation where maybe afterwards you're like oh that wasn't so great like it teaches you something right and so just figure out what's important to you and what your values are and just keep working towards that like little bit by little bit and it kind of just works itself out even though this year has just been a bit of a mess and like I've had no idea what's going on like we're now in November and it did end up working itself out (laughs) that is very true oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) yeah like also I went to this early career seminar and they were telling us like don't worry too much about perfecting your journey like being really anal about I must get into this uni for masters and I must get into this type of placement and I must become this type of psychologist. Like so many experienced people have said that their journeys have just been like completely random. I never expected to be working with people who use drugs and have that be like half of my week, but it just kind of happened and I just took it and it was really cool. Like I've learned a lot about the mental health of that particular population and I've become really passionate about it, even though six months ago, I just had no idea. So just kind of take what comes and don't feel like you have to follow a certain path because every psychologist has such a different path and there's no rush to have to work in a certain place at a certain time. Yeah, that is 100%. <laughs> no, but I think I totally agree. <laughs> no, I totally agree. Like, I think we ourselves forget that it's always different for everyone. As long as you're enjoying what you're doing in the present, that is first step to doing something right, at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, that is all we have time for today for this episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank you, Rowana, for joining us today. Um, We hope you guys enjoyed our episode. Um, Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at GroundedUNSW to stay up to date with our upcoming podcast episodes and to get your say on things like guests that you'd like to hear from and the questions you want answered. And also don't forget to check out Rowana's YouTube and her (laughs) username is Rowana (laughs) C-E-E. But yes, if you or someone you know is having mental health difficulties, do not be afraid to seek help. There will be links to some great resources in the show notes and in the description, which you can reach out to if you need support. With that being said, until next time, stay tuned and stay grounded.